Hey everybody, it's Pastor Dylan. Welcome to the Dayspring Wesleyan Church Podcast. At the end of this episode, please take the time to download our church app. It's the best way to stay connected to the life of the church. All you have to do is go to your app store and search for Church Center, download and enter the information for our church. You will then be connected to our church community. I hope the following presentation inspires you to move closer to God in this journey we call faith. Enjoy. morning, church. I want to say uh, thank you to uh, Pastor Jerry, who uh, led worship for us this morning. Um, uh, Brian uh, Shank was supposed to lead this week, and uh, his mom passed away, and so they had the funeral on Friday, and so he called and asked if... uh, uh, you know, if he could get out of that this week, and we're like, yeah, that's fine. And and what's great is about Pastor Jerry is he has all these gifts and abilities that we're able to use, and uh, so he filled that in very well for us. And so, uh, so if you just want to say thank you to him as well, like you know, just for filling it in, that'd be great. Um, yeah, that's fine. Yeah, we. <laughs> that's, um, he said an even better way you could say thank you to him um, that uh, he's leading the choir, and so if you can show up for choir practice tonight at five, that would really show how thankful you are. Uh, but if you are a, uh, uh, again, if you can sing, we'd love to have you out there. If you can't sing, we'd still love to have you out there. That's tonight at five. Uh, if you can't sing, just tone it down a little bit and smile a lot, okay? That can get you by. But again, we'd love to have you out there with that. We're planning on something. Uh, the choir is going to be doing a piece during Mother's Day, and so we'd love to have you be a part of that. Uh, we are continuing our study on uh, turning points, and uh, this is the second part of the blame game, uh, kind of blame game two, because you know last week I could not get through everything that we had going on. And so we're going to wrap up some things. So if you didn't get a chance to hear last week's message, I would suggest going online and listening to that as well. Um, and then I, I have to tell you, I felt so scattered today. I don't know why, but just had trouble focusing in. So I'm going to ask God to definitely intervene what we got going on. Uh, there's a great story of uh, Nero, who was the emperor of Rome. And uh, what was interesting about his story is this, is that he was actually known for this. He was known for fiddling while Rome burned. And so there was this great fire in Rome at one point, last about seven days, started in some, one of the merchant buildings, and they were all um, connected on, on top of each other, and so it just caused this large fire. Uh, instead of responding right away, many people believed he was either playing music or he didn't care about it because he was protected in some way or another. Well, he felt sort of the backlash of the people and not responding to what was going on instead of taking the blame for himself and not really stepping in, what he decided to do is he decided to start blaming the Christians. And as a result, there was a great persecution that took place with the Christians. As a matter of fact, Nero wanted to make sure that, um, Nero wanted to make sure that they suffered in the immense ways that they could. So he'd take them to a lot of the games and have them eaten up. He'd burn them at the stake, or then he would uh, sacrifice them on crosses as well, just like our Lord was. And so in the midst of doing all this, what we realized is he was trying to push the blame for what was going on to other people. Uh, But if he would have thought about it, uh, Nero actually refused to see that his heavy taxation, his demand for entertainment, his luxurious palaces, his enslaving of people, and then all the ways that he had problems with women, he didn't see any of those as his own issues. Instead, he pushed the blame on other people and played the blame game. Ended up by, I think by the time he was about 30, he committed suicide because there was such a backlash of how the people felt about him. And so he ended up enduring all that on his own. I don't know about you, but I think we're living in a society and we're living in a day and age where we really don't take responsibility for the things that are going on around us. 
Instead, we have a tendency to just blame everybody else, everything else, political parties, people in authority above us, um, our parents, those around us, instead of taking any of the blame for ourselves. Matter of fact, if you think about it, like uh, there's been some stories like if this man had cut his finger off while slicing salami at work, he blamed the restaurant. Um, there's been people who have smoked three packs a day for 40 years and then they die of lung cancer, but they blame the tobacco company. Uh, you could have a neighbor that crashes into a tree while driving home drunk and they blame the bartender. Uh, and then I think there are probably some of us that experienced this, but um, if the uh, grandchildren are brats without manners, we blame television for it. Instead of ever realizing that maybe some of the blame lies with us. So I want to go back to look at the story we did last week. And there's a couple of key points that we hit on, which I, I want to get back to again. Um, but let's get into it. So we're reading from Genesis chapter 3 today, verses 1 through 19. If you're new to the church or, or just new to religion in general and, and you have your Bible, it's going to be right in the front there. Um, it's labeled with big numbers there. But looking at Genesis chapter 3, verses 1 through 19. It says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, We may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and as they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, Where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and so I hid. And he said, and this was our focus point of last week, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? The man said, the woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree and I ate it. Then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this that you have done? The woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate it. So the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and all wild animals. You will crawl on your belly and you will eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. To the woman he said, I will make your pains and childbearing very severe. With painful labor you will give birth to children. Your desire will be for your husband and he will rule over you. To Adam he said, because you listened to your wife and ate fruit from the tree about which I commanded you, you must not eat from it. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil, you will eat food from it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you. And you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow, you will eat your food until you return to the ground. Since from it you were taken, for dust you are, and dust you will return. Let's pray together. Lord, this week as I was just thinking about these words and 
thinking about my own life and just recognizing how many times that I might want to blame others for the situations that I'm in. And Father, your word just speaks in such a real way that causes us to be reflective and to listen, especially to what you have to say. Father, I pray that our ears would be open today and that as we hear the words that you spoke to Adam and Eve long ago, that there would be something in that today that we would say, boy, that really reflects where I'm at today. And the mistakes that they made are mistakes that I can make. And the consequences they face are consequences I may face. But help us to recognize your grace in the midst of all this, realizing that we don't always have to be the same and we can be a people that are changed. I pray, Father, that today, if there's anything that I would get incorrectly is talking through your word, I pray that you would clean it up in the ears of your people so that the only voice they hear today is from you. In your name we pray, amen. So last week, we spent a little bit of time uh, focusing on the idea, and it was the one statement that just really connected with me, and it was the statement from God, and he said to Adam, he said this, who told you you were naked? And I thought that was such a profound statement because, again, the thing I wanted to relate to you is I think that we have people in time who point out some little um, uh, flaw in us, whether physically, uh, mentally, spiritually, or just the way we act in life. And they'll point that out. And because they said something, that seems to be the only thing that we can focus in on. Matter of fact, they point it out in such a way that you and I feel exposed because what they said. So if somebody says that, hey, uh, you're too skinny or you're too fat, that's something that will stick with us and we'll be self-conscious of what we see. Maybe somebody will point out some blemish or some flaw that we have on our face and every time we look in the mirror, we can't get past that. Somebody will call you stupid or they'll say something like, you'll never amount to anything. And those are words that just seem to haunt us the rest of our lives and we just can't get through it. And all of a sudden it exposes us where we are and, and again it's, it's, it becomes this sort of area of shame for us. And what we tend to do is we then we tend to hide things. We try to get out of the picture. And those things can be so damaging to us. But there is a God who values you. But the truth is this, is that sin does expose us. Like whenever you and I commit sin and we're found out, it exposes who we truly are or what's going on in our life. So for example, if you lie to somebody, then all of a sudden that you're caught in that lie, then you're exposed and you try to hide it, you try to blame it on other people, and that's just sort of the the distance we begin to go. But after we started focusing on that, one of the things that we got into, and I want to start here again today just to reiterate some of the things that we said. But what I find is that instead of admitting that we have a sin, that maybe there's a problem that we caused, we have a tendency to play the blame game. And I really, it's, it's interesting to me, but you ever notice how we respond like when we're caught in something? Like we make up the craziest things, you know, and we say sort of stupid things. So for example, if you've ever asked your kids maybe um, the idea like, hey, hey, who left the toilet seat up? You know, the kids will be like, man, I haven't gone all day. And then you're like, seriously, you haven't gone all day? You know, and then another one will go, well, I haven't gone in the last three days. And you're like, dude, you got a problem. You know, and that explains why you're so moody today. You know, we need to take care of this. But we say sort of the most ridiculous things. 
And so we start figuring out ways to blame other situations or other things that are going on. And so the big one we covered last week, and, and I want to I wanna state clearly again this, is that we have a tendency to blame our environment. And I hear this so many times now. And I don't want to downplay what people have been through because, again, I've heard the stories of, of people, especially as a youth pastor, story after story after story. And even as a pastor, and I've connected with different people through marriage counseling, sitting in my office counseling with people, or just letting people share. Man, some of the stories that I've heard from people in this congregation are absolutely crazy. I mean, I don't know how many times I've heard about different sexual abuse things happening within family members of our congregation. I don't know how many times I've heard stories about where somebody has been beaten, either um, by their husband, a parent, or a grandparent. I don't know how many times that I've just heard where, um, because of certain addictions in the homes, that things were just rough. How many times I've heard of, of um, kids that were just afraid where they were going to sleep or if they were going to have a meal to eat because they had no money in the home because it was being spent on everything else. Like those stories, when I hear them, are just gut-wrenching to me. Because I look at my life and I said, man, I had it really good. And not that everything was perfect, but compared to them, it's like, yeah, it's easy for me to be a follower of Christ. But when you hear some of these other stories, it's like, wow, I can't believe that you ever made it out of that situation. And so I empathize with some of you that have been through some of those situations and some of the circumstances. But I think that you and I have got to be careful that we don't always blame our environment. Because the truth is, environment leads us where we are, but you and I have the choice of what we're going to live in today. You and I have a choice to do things better and differently. You know, um, and I've heard the psychology on a bunch of stuff, and I do, by the way, I do agree that environment does affect us. But I also want you to know that you can come from the best environment and still make the biggest mistakes. And if you don't think that's true, just look into this story that we read today. Adam and Eve had the perfect father. They had the perfect home. They were provided for, they were taken care of, and they were safe. And in that environment, everything we read about it, it was good. But still there came a point where Adam and Eve decided to make a decision that was wrong. And they were brought up in the best environment possible. So even in your own environment that is good, can you still make poor decisions? You bet. But even in bad environments, you can begin to make good decisions that will have a better outcome and effect on you as well. And so I think we have to be careful in blaming our environment with what's going on. Secondly is this, and we see this in verse 12. And it's interesting to me. And by the way, let me, I just want to clear one thing up because I thought it was interesting. But you have this whole story of Adam and Eve. And what's interesting in the story is this. If you look at Eve, it says the serpent comes to Eve and begins to ask her some questions. He says, did God really say you couldn't eat of any tree? And I love what she does because her response is to, to correct him. She says, no, 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 that's not what he said. He said, um, we can eat of all these trees, but just one tree we can't eat of. And then the devil begins to sort of tempt her and mess with her. And he says, well, but God really doesn't want you to eat of that tree because like you said, you would die. You're not really going to die. He just doesn't want you to be like him. 
He doesn't want you to know the good versus evil. And again, he messes with her. And then not only that, but the fruit of that tree looks so good and it looks so enticing that it says that the woman is then moved, Eve is moved to then eat of the fruit. All right, so do you see all the situation that comes down to get to the point that she wants to eat the fruit? Now let's bring Adam into the picture. What happens to him? Eve hands him the fruit and he's like, okay. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's just interesting to me. And you'll see people in life, I don't want to make that a man and woman thing, but I want you to, want, I, here's what I want you to think about. Some people, it takes a lot to deceive you. Like you're pretty strong in the faith, but you've been around and, and you've listened and, and eventually you sort of give in to sin. Other people, I believe it's just instant. It's like somebody hands you something, you're like, yeah, let's do it. Let's just go ahead and sin. And you think nothing about it. And I think that there is a word for that. And, 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 and what I'm thinking is this, is that if you know you're getting to a place where you're enticed with sin, then let's step out of the situation. And let's bring somebody else in that can help us. And let's shut down the conversations so we don't fall into the temptation that Eve did. And if you're one that is just enticed quickly, then you got a whole lot of other work to do. That you just need to make sure you're never, ever in that environment at all. And so we get to the place where then they're exposed because of their sin. And by the way, sin will always be exposed. And we said last week, and God already knows what you did. It says that they were trying to hide their sin and they were exposed because all of a sudden they realized, man, this is who we are. We, we did something wrong. We did something bad. And I think a lot of us know that when we've done something wrong, like we feel this guilt and we try to hide it. I mean, think about that. Some of you are having extreme difficulties in your marriage. But when people ask how things are going, you say, everything's great. Oh, we love each other. You know, I remember talking to one couple all the time. He'd say, and he would say this. He would say, boy, if I was doing any better, I'd be divorced. When he asked about his marriage. And you know what? They got divorced. Because it was his little joke. But it was his way of kind of hiding the truth that there are some serious issues going on. You know, you talk to people who have addiction problems, whether it be uh, pornography. And by the way, I say that's just as big as addiction as anything else. Uh, where they're uh, addicted to alcohol or drugs. Like one of the things that you'll see is they try to hide it. It's not as bad as you think. No, I wasn't doing the drugs. And they try to hide all these things because we try to hide our shame and our guilt. You know, we steal something or we lie and we try to hide that. But then eventually it gets exposed. And here's the one thing. You can hide stuff from a lot of people in your life, but you can never hide it from God. And Adam and Eve found that out. God said, who told you you were naked? And he said this, because he questioned, did you eat of that fruit? And you probably have that conversation with people around you, especially if you had kids. Did you really do that? And then they get exposed and they try to hide. I said just this last week, my, my one son, um, he did something in school. And, uh, or he said he does, and I don't know if he did or not. But he said, uh, he said yeah, I'm, I'm going to stand for recess uh, this week because of it. And, uh, and he said, uh, so I don't want to go to school. And we're like, no, you're going to school. You know? But he wanted to try to hide it. He wanted to deal with the, sort of the consequences of it. But we're like, no, you're still going to school. But we have that sort of ability that we want to hide things. And so then what happens is we start blaming other things or other situations. So in this story, for example, in verse 12, watch what happens. When God asked him, who told you you were naked? And he said, did you eat of the fruit? Watch his response. 
The man said, the woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree and I ate it. Now, by the way, I would not want to be Adam going home that night. You know what I mean? I mean, he just sold Eve out. All right. Could you imagine going home being like, oh, so what do you want to talk about, honey? Uh, I got to go to bed early or, you know, like that would just be such a difficult situation. But what he was really saying is this. He was really saying, Lord, this is your fault. Like if you wouldn't have made that woman, if you wouldn't have put her by my side, if you wouldn't made her so irresistible, I never would have ate of that fruit. So really, this is your fault. I mean, don't we do that sometimes? Like we look at our situations in life and say, God, this is really your fault that I'm in that. And so I know several of you have had some diseases or some situations where the end doesn't look good for you. I mean, you guys all know that I've been there with my mom. She had cancer and she died from it. But there's a tendency to say, God, if you wouldn't have allowed cancer to be there, if you wouldn't have let her have cancer, she would still be alive today. This is your fault. Lord, if you wouldn't have made me with such an addictive behavior, I wouldn't have had these problems with the drugs or the alcohol or the pornography. Lord, if you wouldn't have made this man or this woman beside me, if, 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 if I wouldn't have fallen in love with them, I never would have experienced the hardships that we have in our marriage. I would have never experienced the, the cheating. I would have never experienced the lies. Like I wouldn't have never experienced that if you wouldn't have created that person and made me fall in love with them. And it's so easy to blame everybody else, isn't it? And we try to blame God for the same things. God, if you wouldn't have did this, then I wouldn't have experienced the things that I have. But here's what you need to know about God. God has done everything he possibly can to make sure that you do not go to hell. He's trying to do everything he can. He's trying to reach out. He's trying to love you. He's trying to set it up for everything. But there are still people today would say, well, if God wouldn't have allowed that tree to be there, if God would have never created that hell, we would have never had to worry about it. And it's just wrong thinking. And I think if you sat down with most people and asked them the question, like, do you want to go to hell or do you want to go to heaven? In other words, do you want to experience um, eternal torment or do you want to experience eternal blessing? Now, you have some crazy person that would say, I, I want hell. But generally, we're going to say what? We want heaven. And that's what God wants you to experience. That's what he was prepared for you. But here's the truth. Because of our free will, he gave us some rules and regulations. And he gave them what? One rule. And that rule allowed us to have free will. In other words, we can love and experience love freely. It's not manufactured in any way. Like we can experience that. He said, just don't eat of this one tree. And then the commands that you and I have today. We've given the Ten Commandments. He says, just follow these things. And Jesus himself said, let's make it even simpler. I just want you to love God and I want you to love people. And if you can get those things right, then you're doing what is right in my sight. But the truth is there are laws. And when we break those laws, there's our consequences to that. But here's the deal. When a criminal is sent to jail, 
Do we blame the judge? No, we blame who? The criminal. Why? Because the criminal broke the law. And so you and I cannot blame God for the circumstances and the situations and the consequences of our sin. Because when you and I broke the law, we did wrong. And we're supposed to experience something as a result. Next is this. And this is what, so after God, or after um, Adam blames God for the creation of Eve, then the Lord said to Eve, what is this you have done in verse 13? The woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate it. In other words, she still knew what God told her to do. She said, but if you wouldn't have sent that serpent here, or that serpent is the one that enticed me, then I, I would have never eaten of that. And do you recognize how we blame other people? Like, you know, if, if, if I wouldn't have been with Tommy, if I wouldn't have been with Johnny, then I would have never, ever felt that way. I mean, how many times have you been around people and they've talked you into something? And you, and you and especially if you're a kid, and you come home and you say, well, I wasn't going to do it, but all my friends were doing it. Does that matter? Are your parents like, oh, well, that makes perfect sense. You know, you go ahead and keep doing the stupid stuff. You know, no, we say, well, that's insane. Don't do that. But we blame others for where we are. And we do that a lot in life. And some of you, again, I know that you have the situations where you could blame other people for. But some of you want to blame your parents for where you are today. And the truth is, you're at the point where you can make your own decisions. Some of you will want to blame your teachers. And you'll say, well, they didn't, they didn't give me a chance or they didn't give me the grades that I needed. Some of you will want to blame your coaches for not getting the playing time that you think you deserve. Some of you will want to blame public officials. And you know what we do? I mean, we blame others and others all the time for the situations that we're in today. Because that's easy. But I think that you and I have to understand eventually that some of this is just on us. And some of this is just internal to us. And so earlier today I was talking about like, um, and this is probably just a stupid illustration, but if you have a, a, a tube of toothpaste, and by the way, I have some problems with toothpaste, okay? And not that I won't use it, okay, I do. My problem is that every sink at our house where a kid is involved in, there is all this toothpaste gunk everywhere, okay? And it's just nasty, okay? Yeah, all the parents are like, yeah, yeah, I get it, I get it, yeah. The other thing I personally hate is, please, and everyone listen to this, okay? This will help you out in life. Don't squeeze the toothpaste near the top, okay? Start down at the bottom, work your way up, okay? All right? Because I hate when somebody squeezes up here and then I got to push all this stuff back to get it up to the top, okay? That's just my little personal issues. But when you press the toothpaste, what do you expect to come out? Toothpaste, right? Because that's what's inside of it. And so when you and I take that toothpaste and we squeeze it, we know eventually we're going to get the toothpaste we need. We're going to be able to brush our teeth. It's interesting to me, though, if you've been around people long enough and you've seen them in like some pressure situations, you're actually really going to find out what's inside of them when they're squeezed a little bit. Because all of a sudden when they're squeezed, I think what's really inside of them really comes out. 
So I was even joking, like, I remember I was, I was working with some people at the church once, and I think it was just me and another guy, and I was nailing something, and I must not have the best aim, uh, but I missed the nail and hit my thumb, okay? And where some people might use um, some other words, I was like, ow! And the guy goes, wow. They're like, you didn't use any cuss word there at all. And I was like, yeah, I don't know. And he's like, well, why not? Like, that, that would have been a perfect time to say something. I'm like... It's just not what I do. It's not inside me. So it doesn't come out. And I would love to tell you that my life is perfect like that, but it's not. There are some times when push comes to shove that I just don't respond the right way. Why? Because within me is the ability to sin. And at times when I'm squeezed tight enough, those things come out. If you don't think so, just ask my kids. They're ready to wrap me out at any moment. You know, they'll tell you what dad's really like. Please don't do that for real. I mean, I'm just, just a comment, okay? There's some times that I just don't respond the right way. My wife will tell you there's some times when I'm feeling pressure that I probably don't respond to her the right way. And it's important what we have inside of us that really comes out. Because at the end of the day, listen to this, the only people we have to blame is ourselves. Like the reason why I'm in this sin or I'm, I'm in this situation is because of what I've done. You see, we have to understand because of our sin, because we've missed the mark, because we've messed up, that it brings junk into the world. But it's like in our world, we're afraid to acknowledge that we ever messed up. And I have to tell you, I got really, really convicted of this this week as I was preparing this message. And the reason I got convicted is because of this. Because there are times when I try to blame other people and recognize that I don't do enough myself. So for example, I'll say, well, my kids don't know anything about the Bible. So the church must not be doing its job. Why am I blaming the church? Like, what am I doing at home to teach my kids the Bible? Like, that blame should start with me. I mean, I don't know how many times I've seen people say, well, my kid would be a lot smarter if it wasn't for the teachers at school. All right? Come on. Some of this is on you. Right? Well, if they would have taught my kids better, we'd be, people. You know, how many of you have ever complained that your kids have too much homework? You know why you complain about that? Because you don't want to help them with it. Like, that's what they should do at school. And the truth is, you and I have a job to do at home. How many of you have ever complained that your kids never get outside? You know where I got convicted about that is? I don't go outside with them. Who's that on? It's on me. You see, because what I started realizing, this isn't just with kids, this is just with things in general. But what I started realizing is, I'm so quick to blame everybody else but I don't get out there and do my part. I found myself saying, I don't understand when my kids act or do this. And it's like, well, what did you do to help them? And we never, ever take any of the blame for ourselves. Uh, this week we had the uh, voting here at the, uh, uh, the church. And uh, <laughs> um, as it was going on, and I'm not voting for our elections, but voting for the county and stuff. Um, but as it was going on, every year now they put a sheriff out there. And, um, and I guess for protection and stuff and stuff. But uh, the sheriff looked over at me and he said, hey, you, come here. 
And I was like, oh man, not again. You know, like, <laughs> this will be the third time that I have the authorities called on me, you know. I, uh, I told you the first time was because of a, um, uh, I got accused once of kidnapping a kid uh, because we took them on a youth event uh, with signed paperwork, you know. So I had the sheriffs waiting for me when I got back. Um, and then here was the second thing I was going to tell you that I don't, I don't think I've told you here in this place. But um, I was at a youth camp, uh, was a youth pastor at the time. And um, the youth camp had no Wi-Fi, and I was in seminary, and I had to turn some paperwork in that night. So because of where the camp was, it was like just over the border like of Ohio and Indiana, and Cincinnati was right there. And so I drove into Cincinnati. I sat outside an Applebee's in the church van, got in the back of the van, got my computer out, had my Bible over here, some other notes over here, and I began typing on my stuff. As I was typing, three cop cars came around the van and said, come out with your hands up. <laughs> to which I did. And then they said, what are you doing here, sir? And I was like, ah, you know how you stutter because you don't know like what's going on, you know? And I was like, ah, I, I was doing my uh, Bible homework, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, <laughs> like, how do you explain that? I'm like, uh, they're like, sir. And I'm like, I, I'm in seminary. I had to turn some paper. I couldn't get Wi-Fi where I was at. And then they said, well, can we see your computer? And I said, yeah, here. And they looked up and sure enough is all this Bible stuff. And they just started laughing. They said, we got a report that there was a pedophile here out in the van. And uh, so, yeah. So anyways. Yeah. <laughs> uh, of course, I thanked them because I wet myself uh, after this uh, experience. But... Um, uh, yeah, so anyways, when the sheriff called me over, uh, he said, what's your name? I said, Chuck. And he says, uh, are you named after your grandfather? And I said, well, yeah, my grandfather and my dad, we, we all have the name Charles. And he said, your uh, grandpa was my uh, principal. I said, oh, yeah. And he's like, yeah, he's a good guy. He's like, man, I went through my whole middle school, junior high years without ever getting spanked. And he goes, but then on the last day of school, I got spanked. And of course, I'm thinking, oh, no, not retribution with me, please. You know, I got nothing to do with that. And he said this, he said, yeah, he said it was my fault. He said, I got in a big fight the last day of school. And he says, your grandfather pulled us in and he said, look, he says, I can either suspend you or I can give you three whacks when, you know, when you're allowed to give spankings at that time. And he said, and I was like, and he told me, he's like, look, if you get suspended, you're going to fail your exams. And he said, and if I failed my exams, I would have to repeat the next year. And he said, so I said, well, I'll take the whacks. And what, and that story just cracked me up because, you know, my grandfather, to me, it just looked like somebody that couldn't do that, you know, but I mean, that was him back in the day. And, um, but, but I like what he said. He said this, he said, um, he said, yeah, he said, uh, it was, it was totally my fault. He was like, your grandpa was such a good guy. And he said, but I messed up. And I thought about that because I think that we live in a society today where it's just so easy to blame other people for our situation. And so when somebody takes sort of like, yep, this is what I did, and here's the consequences of it. I love that. Because I think today we just sort of blame everybody else and we don't think that we should have any consequences for the mistakes that we make. Like even, it's not, this is not just in the world. This is in the church as well. We have this God that is so forgiving, like we don't think that we should have consequences for our sins. And the truth is, there's always going to be consequences because of your sin. 
And I think if many of you are like me, like, look, man, I got spanked. And I told you guys this before, I got spanked a lot when I was growing up, you know? I said, I got spanked every Sunday after church, okay? I thought it was actually part of worship, that you just, you go home and you get spanked, you know? Like, that's, thank you, God, I, I'm enduring your pain with you, you know? I mean, I just thought that's what you did. But there was only one time out of all the times that I got spanked where I thought that I shouldn't have been spanked. Only one time. And that would just blow off. Why? Because I knew that my parents spanked me to correct me, to make sure I wouldn't do the wrong again. You see, when you get into this next part of the text, what's interesting to me is this. And I want you to know this. Consequences remind us to never go down this path again. So as he's given it in verses 14, 19, he says, the serpent, you're going to crawl on your belly. Um, he, and he gives us a, another word here that I'm going to get into in a minute. But then he says to the woman, he said, look, he said, you're going to have pains in childbearing. You're going to have pains in childbearing. So women, you can blame Eve for that one, okay? All right? I mean, that's, that's her fault, okay? Nothing to do with it. All right? That was her fault. And then he said to the man, he said, look, he says, you're going to have problems when you're working because now it's going to be hard work that you're going to have to do. And I think the deal on that is this, and I hate to tell this to women, but like if you're pregnant, getting ready to have a kid and you go through all that pain, I might want you for a moment to remember that the pain that you're enduring is a reminder that we need to be careful not to sin. And I'm going to say this, that when you and I are working in this life, and it's hard work, you and I need to meet, take that as a reminder that I'm experiencing this hard work because of sin. But here's what I want you to know. There's a lot of grace in that as well. Because even though women will experience great child-bearing pain, man, at the end of the day when you have a baby, that's an act of grace right there. To see all that pain and then feel all that love at the end is absolutely amazing. And then think about this, like when you and I work with our hands and like we have a job, like there's a lot of pain that goes into our job sometimes, but at the end of the day, you and I, when we get our paycheck, there's something special about that moment because, and I believe that's an act of grace as well, because now I can provide for my family and I can help with their needs and I can help with some of their wants as well. And there's something powerful about that as well. You see, I think if you and I were to sit down and we were to talk about our sins, I think that all of us would realize that our sins always have consequences. You know, and, and, and I often said, like, if you could take a bunch of us and look, and I bet you could show us your arms, you could show us your legs, and you could show us, like, different times that you hurt yourself. And you'd probably have scabs and you'd probably have scars and stuff like that. Um, this hand right here, my, my middle finger, I actually, um, I can't move it very much anymore. Um, and I had two things happen to the same finger. I don't know what it's up with that. Uh, but the one is it, it got cut by um, a garage door. So I was climbing up on the, the garage door. And um, as I was climbing, my brother decided to turn on the garage door and the wire cut my finger. So I'd like to blame him uh, for that. Uh, but I probably shouldn't have been climbing on there in the first place. And then the second thing was in a softball game, um, the ball came, hit me in my hand and broke my finger. And um, I have those scars and I have those marks from it. 
What do those remind me of? One, don't trust my brother. No. <laughs> One is probably make sure that things are pretty safe when I go, come into certain situations so I don't cut myself. Uh, the other thing is in um, probably softball, realize I'm not as great as players I think I am, and sometimes it's just better to get out of the way, you know? But those marks and stuff, those scars remind me of like, here's the dangers you can get into. But what I love about sort of scars and marks is this, is that when you have a scar, what that means is that healing has taken place. And there are a number of us that probably have had scars in our life, deep down hurts and pains. Maybe they've been enforced on you or maybe you forced on somebody else. But man, by the grace of God, he heals those things over. And when you and I look at that scars, some of you are going to look at it one or two ways. You're either going to look at that and you're going to look at all the pains and mistakes and you're not going to be able to get past that. And that'll be a reminder to you not to make those mistakes. But for others of you, you're going to recognize the healing that took place. And you're going to recognize the grace of God. And today is part of the ending of our service. And I thought it was just so fitting to what we have going on. But we're going to celebrate the Lord's Supper together. And in celebrating the Lord's Supper together, um, I think what's going to be unique for us is this idea that what Jesus did on that cross so long ago was his willingness to take on our scars and our shame and all that on his own. And man, it's an act of grace that he gave us as well. Um, in this church, we practice what we call open communion, which means you don't have to be a member of this church in order to take communion. Because we think that this is something that you do with you and the Lord. But what I want you to do today is when you come forward and you receive the bread and you receive the juice, I want you to be reminded this morning of the sacrifice that Christ made on the cross for you. That with all the scars, that with all the mistakes, that with all the junk that you've done, he said that he loved you and he valued you enough and he wanted to show you grace. That he said, I'm willing to forgive all those things. So today as you come up, and I'm going to ask you to stand right now. Today as you come up, just remember that he took our pain and our punishment out of his love and desire for us. Once again, thanks for listening. If you are in the Marion area, we would love to engage with you at one of our Sunday morning gatherings. For directions, service times, and information about our fantastic children and student ministries, visit us at dayspringwesleyan.org. That's dayspringwesleyan.org.